um, yeah, I can't see you. Maybe when you start talking, you'll come on the screen. Um, so you want to give us an update? It's been a while since we've been able to have this Sunday call. Can you hear me? Yeah, might be good. A little bit louder, maybe. That's possible. Okay. Well, good morning. <laughs> morning, there you are. Okay. So you're in Madhavan again? Yes, I'm in Montevon. I went to South America, to Brazil, and to um, Argentina for a couple of weeks. That was um, good, and I was able to help a lot of devotees there. And um, I'm seeing a big deity of yeah, that's, Chelsea or something. That's Brenda David. That's Vijay Kumara. Let's put that up. Should be but, yes, I'm back in Madhavan. I'll be here for a few more days before I return to Adaria. So everything's nice, and um, I've been uh, made a lot of progress in my book. I finished the first draft of the book, so I'm going over it now in different chapters and uh, fine-tuning them. So that's a major milestone in that particular project. That is wonderful. Congratulations on getting that finished. That's, we're all very excited to see that book. Now, I don't know what is happening with the view here. Why you're not being the one to... It, my screen says you are viewing Vijay Kumar Das's das screen. Right. Yeah, I put, the, I put that up for my question. Oh, okay. Okay. I can take it down once I ask my question. Okay. All or right. you want me to take it down now? Yeah, can you take it down now? Because... Yeah, Gurudev the... And it, then we're not able to see. Okay. The, uh, the question that I have is, uh, this is Vrinda Devi's altar. And on the right-hand side, you can see hands coming out of the stream, possibly the Yamuna or Vrinda Kunj, holding Vrinda Devi's feet or Vrinda, uh, Radha's feet. Maybe you could lighten us on that. I didn't see any hands. I didn't see any river. I didn't see any feet. <laughs> well, let me do it again here. Uh, the, the picture on the right. Let's see here. Uh, can you see the picture now? No. Let's see here. Uh, it's got to switch to camera view. Done. And then, uh, how about now? Yeah, I can see it. Okay, and then there's a there's a, a photo uh, there's a framed photo with some hands coming out of the water holding Brenda Davies' feet or uh, Rada's feet. I just it was taken July. I don't know. May put it up and take it down. But yeah, I can't see it very well, and I'm, I'm not sure what that's. Uh, Lying, it, it probably relates to some particular Leela, but I, I can't make it out at all. It's very blurry. And, um, okay, so all right, that's enough. I'll put the photo up for just a second. And uh, 
Again, July 6th. July 6th, where's she at? Uh, that's not July. But anyway, um, it, I would, I was assuming it's like Vrinda Coons or Vrinda Davy. Uh, I had it up there and then it went away. Now I got to find it again. July. There it is. Boom. Okay, and done. So on the right-hand side, uh, it looks like Krishna's holding the feet of uh, a gopi or a Brinda Devi. Or can you yeah. see it now? The right-hand side of my screen has pictures of different devotees who are on the uh, on the wall, so I can't see it. So it'd be on the left-hand side. The left-hand side has a tree on it. Has a frame. Oh, so it's. Hmm. All right, no big deal. Yeah, sorry, I can't see it. Uh, it's it's uh, you know it's probably related to some Leela that uh, I don't know if I would even be familiar with it necessarily if I saw it. So um, sorry, I can't help with that. All right. Okay. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yes. Okay. Any other questions? Well, I. I... <laughs> I feel like I would like to hear a little bit more about your travels and what, you know, some highlights maybe of being in Brazil and Argentina. Well, in Brazil, I went to a community. It's, um, it's quite um, remote and um, the devotees, there's about 30 or 40 devotees living there. And uh, the leader is... Uh, Bhaktivedanta Puri Maharaj, who's a disciple of Bhakti Pramod Puri Goswami Maharaj, he's in his 50s, and uh, he sets a very good example there, and uh, they live in mud houses that they built on the property, they have no electricity, they have no, they have electricity, they have no refrigeration, they have no heat, but of course it's, it's Brazil, and um, they have a lot of water there, waterfalls and uh, swimming places and so forth. Um, it was quite a, quite a dedicated uh, community and it's, uh, it's nice to be in a place like that where people are so less privileged than they are in North America and Europe and to see how advantageous that can be for um, a devotional life, having less opportunities and so on and so forth. They take the opportunity of bhakti um, very seriously. So everyone there chants, you know, a, a bare, bare minimum of 16 rounds, most of them 32, 64 rounds, and they have that four hours of work a day. But they do uh, mostly construction, uh, again, building little cuts and so forth out of uh, mud. And um, they have built a temple and they built a nice um, large kind of um, large structure with an area for speaking. So I was speaking to about 70 devotees a day. And, um, and it was very well received. They asked me to speak about Guru Tattvas. I spoke about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's relationship with Ishwar Puri, Krishna's relationship with uh, Sandipani Muni, um, and 
the other gurus, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu would have Krishna as well. And um, we spoke uh, also about Karada Pandit and um, other related topics and answered lots of questions. I was giving, I was going on a walk in the day and answering questions and then giving a talk in the morning and a talk in the evening. So um, some devotees, um, you know, they had a crisis in their, their mission overall. So um, it's been going on for a year and a half or so. So there were some, some, some wounded, if you will, uh, uh, devotees, but they were quite uh, um, quite good, I would say, despite that, and I was able to be helpful, so I was glad for that. And then from there I went to Argentina, where I've been before, to Bhakti Alok. It's a project of Vaishnav Marjan Padmanabha Maharaj. And um, the highlight for me there was the Brahmacharinis in the ashram. I met before, but this time I really took note of them. There were six of them that lived there, five or six. And they're all in their late 20s, early mid-30s. And um, they live very simply, and they work all day long, you know, into the, into the night. And they're, they're all excellent uh, cooks and every every meal is like being at a vegan restaurant the vegans there Argentina has pretty bad reputation for cow slaughter and so they, they can't get uh, good milk there they're in Buenos Aires the suburb of Buenos Aires so there I was also going on a walk every morning and uh, with a lot of devotees and uh, along the river there's a lot of rivers there that place confluence of rivers <coughs> answering questions and then I also talk in the morning and talk in the evening so they kept me pretty busy but the, those, those ladies were really um, inspiring and, um, and the Maharajas there Vaishnava Maharaj and Padmanabha Maharaj they, they, they're, they're much appreciated by the ladies and ladies are much appreciated by them that's kind of the core they also have a um, that's in Buenos Aires and then they have an a couple acre lot and, and, uh, on an island that you have to take a boat to. So that's their kind of retreat place. We went there also. And about 60 devotees, um, I, I would say, that at the height of the program coming, uh, of the program. So it was, it was quite nice. Um, and they, there, they're working hard, but not much to, uh, with help from others, to uh, publish my books in Spanish. And um, so that's going forward at a pretty good pace, and it will be they will be it will be much appreciated in, in there in Latin America. Lots of devotees there. It's a very fascinating place, South America. Um, fascinating. I can't understand why it's not more developed. Why a person would want to would want to live in Europe, <laughs> compared to living in South America. It's just so nice. Nice of a climate, people are very nice. But the Europeans came, and you know, like in Brazil, they came, the Portuguese came, took all the gold, killed everybody, took the gold, and put it on their altar. That was their sadhana, their worship. So that's Europe, that is Portugal. <laughs> Years ago, so it's, it's very. Um, um, it's terrible to think about, but um, 
the area that I was in, and there was a lot of gold there. There used to be a lot of gold there. So, um, but anyway, it's a it's a very very nice place, all of, all of South America. Very um, just very. I mean, it's it's great. I don't know. I can't figure out why it's not the more um, populated. I guess it's populated fairly well, but it's not. It's not by any means overpopulated. It's a huge. I guess it's a continent, right? South America. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's, I would choose it over Europe or North America if I had to choose one or the other. So very nice, very nice devotees. Yeah, I was looking at the pictures from Buenos Aires and it looked like a very affluent kind of area with cobblestone streets and it just looked, it looked quite, you know, like, you know, it was kept maintained very well and, and developed nicely. Yeah, that was in uh, Argentina. That was in the Argentina, city. Argentina, right. Yeah. 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 They live in a nice area of Argentina, of Buenos Aires, I would say. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you for yeah, that. The movies maintain themselves there in Argentina by seminars. They do seminars on bhakti and they teach, and, and the lady, one of the ladies teaches yoga. Um, and that's how they support themselves. And at the, at the community in Brazil, they all go out on uh, um, selling books for two months a year. They sell vegetarian cookbooks and other Krishna conscious books. And then they, and then that's how they support themselves for the whole rest of the year. So it's quite a nice. Yeah, it's very nice. Okay, um, thank you. Um, Rindavan Das, you want to ask your question? You'll have to unmute yourself, star six. Sure, thank you. Hare Krishna, Guru Maharaj. Dhanavat Pranams. My question for you, it's, uh, (laughs) I guess it's somewhat of an old recycled question, but it seems to be very prevalent in uh, the Hare Krishna world anywhere I go and anyone I talk to is uh, the whole origin of the jiva controversy. And so anytime I try to express an argument to the antithesis of this concept of, oh, we were with Krishna, we betrayed Krishna, and now we're here in the material world because uh, we betrayed Krishna in the spiritual world, uh, there's a lot of people that seem to get very twitchy about this and um, it still still seems to be this compulsory education, and particularly uh, uh, you know in wide areas that this is what has occurred. So my question is: is what is the I guess the most gentle way to uh, re-educate that this did not happen? Well, I think for anything, um, I, I think that the um, Opposition that is is entirely emotional. It's it's not the least bit rational, and uh, neither is it scripturally uh, supported. Um, and um, and it, it's a, it's, a, it's an emotional issue for for people. And then they reason based on their um, emotions, which re- the reasoning which arises out of it, of course, doesn't doesn't conform. With the uh, with the sacred texts, 
Um, they may pick something out here or there that they think supports it and so forth, but it, 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 they, they, they um, do so without looking at the issue comprehensively and so forth. So when people are very much emotionally in, invested in a, in a particular argument, then it's, it's difficult to, um, to reason with them. And of course, the emotional investment is one in which they have identified with statements of Prabhupada that he made, where he, he, he said things like that, and they, they more or less ignored the statements that he said to the contrary, and don't deal with the fact that he you know, spoke, spoke both ways about it. And then, um, and then they tend to dismiss statements from other acharyas previously, and, and so on and so forth. Um, and all of it is a kind of a, kind of a, a, a emotional and fanatical kind of uh, take on on Prabhupada that um, they they feel if they think otherwise than what he said at times that somehow um, they are. Um, rejecting him or not following him and, uh, and so forth. And, uh, and uh, of course, you know, their own self is uh, um, the extension of that. They've invested in well themselves and thinking about it a certain way. And so um, it's, uh, there's not, there's not a teachable moment uh, really often, often I would say in a situation um, like that, um, so to expect them to respond rationally when they're irrational and it's, they're they're emotionally driven and invested and so forth is probably an error on 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 uh, one's part. Um, but um, how to create a teachable moment, I guess, would be more the the, the question and um, I uh, I'm not sure how you might you know do that it could be different in different circumstances different people you know if you're close to people um, it's one thing uh, you, you, you might have some more uh, room to negotiate such uh, or is it just somebody on the internet um, you might not have as much uh, emotional connection with that you could, you know, work from that that angle. But but if you but I think that um, you know maybe the best that you can do is is to say well you know Prabhupada said it both ways and um, therefore I think that um, it's it's valid and and um, chase to him you know to to look at it um, um, both ways and then determine for oneself uh, which way makes more sense which way is more um, scripturally supportable and um, that uh, that you know, you've concluded 
that, that they don't fall, that that makes the most sense. It's most scripturally supported, and it's something that Prabhupada has, has said directly in, in, in his writing. And, um, and leave it at that. Um, and maybe and, uh, for them to consider, um, emphasize that point so that they so that you do away with this kind of gut emotional response, which is you're going against Prabhupada, you're going against Prabhupada, you're going against Prabhupada. Um, and uh, you're deviating Prabhupada, Prabhupada's perfect, Prabhupada said this. That, that, that seems to be like what really drives uh, the, whole, the whole thing. And so I would seek to kind of diffuse that. Um, and, um, and, you know, make it less of an emotional issue. Look, I understand that you feel like this because Prabhupada's great, whatever, and he's pure, and he said this. And uh, but, I, but he also said this over here, so I feel it's fair and reasonable, you know, that one has to choose one or the other. You, know? you can't have both. You can't have fall and don't fall. It's an absolute. So, you know, I've researched it. And if you'd like to see, you know, why I've come to the... I've, I've argued for this side, um, then I'd be prepared to present it to you. But um, um, I, uh, in doing so, I don't, I don't feel that in any way I have uh, deviated from Prabhupada or, or, his, or his teachings. That's probably, you know, I mean, I'm just winging it here and you're asking for something broad and, you know, it, like I said earlier, it's different people you may be talking to at different times. So uh, we want to fine tune it, you know, for for different uh, different types of people, people you know better, people you know less, so on and so forth. But uh, you know, given that that's what it's all about, it's all an emotional issue about fidelity to Prabhupada, basically. Um, I mean, if that wasn't there, you know, no one would think like that. It doesn't make any sense. There's just no. I mean, I can give you hundreds of well dozens of arguments as to why that is not supported, why it doesn't make in a logical sense based on the scripture and so forth. But you've probably heard most of them. I mean, the very idea that you're going to, you know, on the basis of your, your will give up Krishna. I mean, if you could do that, give up the influence of the Sarup Shakti, then you could give up the influence of the Maya Shakti by your will. And you might as well just do it today and will yourself out of illusion. But you can't. Your will isn't even strong enough to override the influence of Maya Shakti, which has no standing in the face of the Sarup Shakti. So how are you going to override the influence of the Sarup Shakti by your will? When in fact, the fact of the matter is, our will can only be expressed in relation to the environment that we find ourselves in. So there's only two environments. It's the Shasta Jiva. There's the environment of the Maya Shakti. You can express your will in relation to that, and you'll have all self-centered uh, desires and the pursuit of them hmm, based on the sense of self that arises out of investing your will in a Maya Shakti. If you invest your will in the Sarup Shakti, it only functions for the pleasure of Krishna. That's all it does. Hmm. Krishna's the center there. Here the Maya Shakti provides illusory centers, thousands, millions of them. You know, everyone's a, their own center. Hmm. Maya Shakti has only one center. Krishna, you know, Krishna's pleasure 
Bhakti is constituted of that, under the will, under the influence of the Srupa Shakti, once you've exercised your will hmm, to come under that influence and, and, and you've perfected yourself in that regard, hmm, then whatever you will, it's, it's going to be for the pleasure of Krishna because that's all that's going on there. That's what the whole environment is. And um, so, I mean, that's just one argument. And there's many. Um, the very pleasure of Krishna is dependent upon his devotees. So, his, his being the supreme personality of God, it is, is in, in some respects dependent upon his devotees as well. So, if they can fall, then his position is not secure. Anyway, these are they're deeper theological arguments that probably these people accept, accept these very simplistic uh, uh, ideas. They, they may not resonate with them. They're not, they don't have this, the Sukritivan, that Sumedasa, that kind of fine theistic intelligence to, uh, you know, to understand, land on your feet with the, with the right argument. And they're emotionally invested, as I say. And, it's, and so it's, it's difficult, uh, difficult to say. Like for myself, you know, I've helped a lot of devotees, but they, you know, it's taken time, you know, to get to know them. They get to know me. They get, to, they get to trust me on some other level. Then I can then I can push forward some ideas that that, that they didn't have that they that they, th- they thought were right, and they're they're actually misunderstanding of the philosophy. And it's and if, you, if you have a relationship with them, and, um, and in my case, I'm teaching and so forth, and and you know the teacher knows I can't go there. They're not ready for that one yet. Okay. And you just, you know, come at it from different angles and take out the legs of it so then they don't even know that you're doing it, so to speak. And eventually you you can come forward and after a while they'll just accept whatever you say. <laughs> whatever you say. Because they have faith now and they're they're they've been um, um, uh, brought in, so to speak, on another level from another angle based on a relationship um, so to speak um, and, and and you know and getting something so you, 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 in the bigger picture if, if you're able to help people then you can't help them on a certain level with an issue you help them on another level and then when they're nourished by that in time then they're more open to be taken further because they've grown by that so I mean I don't know exactly what your position is in the relationship Ship to the devotees you're talking to and so forth, but I hope that's of some use to you. Thank you for the question. Thank you. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> so if you could just mute yourself again by pressing star six, that would be great. Kanaram, um, you're next. Kanaram? Can you hear me now? Yes. Yes. Okay. So um, I'm reading from Chaitanya Charitamrita in the Madhya Leela, uh, The Deliverance of Sarvabhom Bhattacharya. Um, and um, my question is about Sarvabhom Bhattacharya. He... Um, he thought that Lord Chaitanya's name showed Lord Chaitanya's humility because the, the Chaitanya part 
is um, is a brahmachari name. And Prabhupada's purport talks about like the the ten sannyas names that come from the lineage of Sankaracharya and things like that. But I, I was a little confused because like when Lord Chaitanya took sannyas, he wasn't a brahmachari. He'd been he was with his second wife when he took sannyas. So how is it a brahmachari name? I, and I guess that's really my question. Can you explain the the cultural aspect of that? Yeah. Um, well, the, uh, Shankar established a sannyas order with, uh, and, and he chose uh, ten sannyas names, like Tirtha, uh, Aranya, Saraswati, uh, Puri, um, and so forth. There's ten of them, and um, you know, he had a, has his four monasteries and uh, he has a pretty developed, uh, they have a pretty developed system of monasticism and so forth. And it was certainly in place at the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and, and practically with a good, greater balance by far of all of the principal sannyasis, elderly sannyasis who were part of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's um, leela. Um, accepted their sannyas through the Shankar lineage. So just some evidence of how prominent it was. Some of them, um, there's probably a good number of them, if not if not all of them, uh, well, a good number of them came through the Puri moth, which is the one moth of the Shankar's four moths, where bhakti is prominent. They use bhakti there to, you know, attain their, their ideal. Um, and they're all the, the, the Brahmins in that Advaitin um, school are all the Pujaris at the, uh, the Pujaganath. So um, from there, at any rate, just uh, as an aside, uh, it would appear that some of the sannyasis came and then it became influenced by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's bhakti and by other schools of bhakti as well. Um, but they received the sannyas and the sannyas mantra from the Shankar Sampradaya. So typically, when someone would take sannyas, then they would be given one of the, uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the in the Shankar system, one of the ten names. Hmm? And in, in, the, in the Shankar school, apparently also, the, you, know, you have the Bharati community of sannyasas, sannyasis, whom Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took sannyas from Keshva Bharati, you have your Tirtha community of sannyasis. You have your ashram community of sannyasis. Uh, you have your Saraswati community of sannyasis, um, and so forth. And so, in in those communities, they have those. There are brahmacharis also, and then there are names that correspond with the Bharati community or the Tirtha community um, of sannyasis. There are names, corresponding names for the brahmacharis. Hmm? So Chaitanya apparently is a brahmachari name in the Bharati uh, lineage of some of of of, um, uh, of Shankar, and so the point being made there is that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took sannyas from Keshava Bharati, but he didn't receive a name Bharati, hmm? which would be more typical. Instead, his 
I think Prabhupada might say he kept his Brahmachari name, but of course he wasn't known as Chaitanya. He was known as Nimai Pandit. He didn't really keep a Brahmachari name. But for some reason or other, um, Keshava Bharti gave him a Brahmachari name, kind of a kind of a peculiar one. He called him Sri Krishna Chaitanya. But you have to take into consideration the fact that he received that that when he before he gave the sannyas mantra um, from the Shankar Sampadaya, their particular sannyas mantra to um, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu first asked him, is this the mantra that you're going to give me, according to different biographies, in which case, uh, which, which the, result, the net result of which is that Bharati Maharaj heard the sannyas mantra from Bhagwan Chaitanya, from Nimai Pandit, and had an epiphany, um, and uh, came to embrace the Vaishnav understanding of that um, mantra, rather than a monistic understanding of that mantra. And so after he received, he heard the mantra from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, now he's a Vaishnav. And now, and so, and, and, and we must have had some realization about uh, Nimai Pandit's position as well, very attracted to him, and this boy had come to take sannyas from him, and, and uh, it wasn't like anybody else that ever came to take sannyas from him. So, long and short of it is that he gave the name Shukhita I don't really, you know, you, 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 it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a, apparently it's a, Chaitanya is a brahmachari name, within these, the Bharati community, but Sri Krishna, Chaitanya is not. I mean, basically he said, you, you are a Krishna, Chaitanya, which means, Chaitanya means consciousness, so it means you are Krishna consciousness. And, and, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna, trying to be conscious of himself from the perspective of Radharani. So Sri Krishna, Chaitanya, it, it really speaks about who he is in terms of what he came to give, his contribution, and so on and so forth. So I think the goddess Saraswati, as they sometimes say, played herself out on the tongue of Keshe uh, Bharati, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu received a sannyasa name that, that really tells us about who he is and so forth. Um, Prabhupada, but Prabhupada used to, used to use the argument um, that, well, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu kept the Brahmachari name, and this is um, um, consistent with the idea that for Gaudiya Vaishnava renunciates, they are humble servants of Krishna. Um, so, must, what is that verse? Pratmanishtam. Uh, so, uh, Bhakti Siddhanta starts at Hitaka, used to quote from the 11th canto of the Bhanti Brahman who took sannyas. And paranishta, uh, so he, the word is used in his commitment there, uh, sannyasi. Um, and it's, it, 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 um, the import of it is that it's a theistic commitment. It's not a commitment to monasticism, I am Narayan, Om Narayan, I become God now, which is basically the idea in Shankar Sampradaya, because they see no difference between Atma and Paramatma. So you've done away with the idea that you're an Atma and you understood that you're the Paramatma, you're Brahman. 
but the Vaishnav sannyasis have a different uh, perspective, obviously, a theistic um, perspective. And comparatively, you could say it's a humble um, perspective. It's a very feminine perspective. I was speaking about this a little bit last night because the effort in monasticism or in monism in Gyanmarg, the Shankar, and the Yogamarg is a very virile kind of effort. The effort in bhakti is to, is to, is to, is to get the get grace of he who's actually powerful. Mm-hmm. So it's an entirely different perspective. You remain small, but become powerful by way of connection with he who is actually powerful, rather than trying to be powerful. Mm-hmm. And a very self-asserting and self-reliant uh, uh, and so forth. We, our path is sharanagati, dependence, not self-reliance in, 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 the, in the yogic and gyan sense of the term. So, um, so the, therefore, the Vaishnava renunciates, whether they be just Tyagis, Babajis, whatever you want to call it, you don't need a name for it. You don't need, you don't need permission to give up the world, just to let you all know if you wanted to, wanted to do that at any time. You don't need anybody's permission, but there is a formal sannyasa order that brings attention to you and so forth and perhaps creates a teachable moment or did in the past. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took advantage of that, 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 and that's why he took sannyas to create a teachable moment. But as a sannyasi, the Prabhupada makes the argument, he kept the brahmachari name rather than the sannyas name showed his humility. I mean, you know, we've talked about it here, so how much that holds up is, you know, it's a question, but, but the principle of what Prabhupada's argument is, is, is of course, uh, um, uh, correct and uh, target that the Vaishnava sannyasis are, are humble. Mahaprabhu, instead of saying, giving us a blessing on Narayan, he would say, Krishna, Matir, Astu, may Krishna bless you. Hmm? That's his um, response. So, um, does that help? Yeah, thank you. Okay, Sri Krishna Chaitanya. Jai. Jai. Okay, that was the last question we had. Um, we did, there are a few people who came on um, after you came on. So does anyone have a question? If so, you need to unmute yourself. And, Adibu, uh, Guru Maj, I have a question. Morning. Sure. Morning, Guru Maj. Um Connected to that last question, I was wondering, <clears throat> before um, Prabhupada translated the Chaitanya Tree to Mita, um, so in India, the disciples of Bhakti Siddhanta, I was wondering, were they just reading the original text of Chaitanya Tree to Mita? And if there was, was there any commentary on it before that they were reading? Yeah. One thing, um, uh, point I'd like to make that's very interesting is that, that at the time there were very few books available. The contribution of the literary contribution of Bhakti Vinotakur was immense, and and not only in terms of writing, but in terms of getting the books published and so forth. And then, then and that was very much put in the hands of, of uh, Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasvati Thakur, who 
made it very central to his mission, the work of publishing the books, the writings of Bhakti Vinod. He bought printing presses and so on and so forth. And, and um, so, you know, books were, and particularly holy books, sacred books were kept in temples, read by Brahmins and taught, and they weren't available to the public and so forth. So Bhaktivinodakul was a little bit appalled by the dearth of Siksha that was out and about at the time to give support to Diksha. And he wasn't finding that some of the Diksha gurus were providing that, um, if not uh, distorting that. So big emphasis on publishing was there. With regard to Chaitanya Charitamrita, um, it's also interesting to note that Bhaktisiddhanta did not allow his disciples to read the Ramanam Sambhad or the Antialila of the text. Um, and he put more emphasis on the Chaitanya Bhagwat for his students to read than the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Chaitanya Bhagwat is in one sense more broad um, and less, uh, less rasic, I, I suppose you could say, but it doesn't go into the, the, deeply into the internal reasons for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's advent, which becomes very esoteric and, uh, and, and rasic. And Chaitanya Bhagavad, in contrast, is it's, it's more about the dissemination, um, which, of course, uh, the spreading of, of the Sankirtan and so forth, which, which of course, was the, um, the, the work of Nityananda primarily. And Vrindavan Nas is a disciple of Nityananda perhaps the last disciple of his. Um, the, it's not that the, the, the uh, inner topic is, is, is um, absent in its entirety, but it's gone into in some detail and it's sophisticated theological, um, you know, treatise really, Chaitanya the chart can read on this. And, uh, and of course, in this, the Antilila is also very much about the esoteric internal life of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Uh, that said, of course, uh, the Chaitanya Bhagavad emphasizes the Navadvipalila, which is where we want to go. Mm-hmm. And so it's very, it's esoteric in that sense, from a, from a uh, Rasa point of view, we want to end up in Navadvip with Nimai Pandit, Navashri Krishna Chaitanya in Jagannath Puri. Mm-hmm. Although that's where the teaching comes from the Madhyalila. The teaching is, the, is such that if you take it up, um, through Nams and Kirtan, as a public person, will become a private person by the force of Kirtan. And internally, you'll be incapable of relating eventually to the external world, and you'll enter into the, into the courtyard of Shiva's Thakur, where there's process and Kirtan, and then have an identity, finding that yourself with an identity in Krishna Lila as well, of course. Um, that's just kind of an overview idea, but... Um, that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is coming out of Navadvip to give to the world, and he's heading back, heading into Vrindavan, which is not different from Navadvip in the end. And uh, again, the Rasa Sankirtan Kirtan, Sri Vasangam, is a place where he would show his devotees who they were. Um, so, in Krishna Lila, Brother Lila's. So, um, so, anyway, there was an emphasis on the part of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur for reading the Chaitanya Bhagavad. Mm-hmm. 
over the Chaitanya Charitamrita. He didn't allow his disciples to read Antilina or the or the um, Ramana Now, say having said that, I learned that from Pujapat Sridharmarsh, whose favorite part of the Chaitanya Charitamrita was the Ramana Sambhad. So, uh, this is just serves to help us understand that, that instructions of the Guru are often provisional and pertain to a certain stage of where we're at and so forth, and they, they need not be taken as absolutes if one has a good understanding why Guru Maharaj was saying that relative to our growth and at the time, it's what, what was his emphasis, it's, but it's not something for all time and all place and all, all circumstances. Um, Otherwise, you start thinking gopis are bad or something like that. Prabhupada chuckled like that once, said that himself once. Gopis aren't bad. So, uh, <laughs> so, and he, of course, another example of Bhaktisthanta's disciples, he published the whole Chaitanya Jaratamrita and circulated it widely, you know, around the world, uh, which sometimes I was sorry to relate to, you know, selling somebody the, you know, the third volume of the Auntie Leela in an airport, you know. So, you know, according to the time and circumstance, he wanted to get the whole thing published. But, but the comment, <laughs> but, you know, to, I'm going in a roundabout way to get to the answer of your question. The commentary of Prabhupada's is based on the commentary of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsitaka, which is based on the commentary of Bhakti Vinod. And so you'll see reference to the Anubhasha. Anubhasya, yeah, yeah Anubhasya Bhakti Siddhanta. I forget what Bhakti Vinodakwa's commentary is called in Prabhupada's own commentary. So he's reading their commentaries and then he's reiterating their commentaries for the most part and adding something of his own here and there. Um, so, so, so the answer, I think if I understood your question correctly, disciples of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasadaka would read Chaitanya Charitamrita, Chaitanya Bhagavad, and the commentaries of Bhakti Siddhanta and Bhakti Note, as much as they were available, published, right? And there weren't a lot of books available. Bhakti Siddhanta wrote a whole commentary on on, uh, on Chaitanya Bhagavad as well. We have a comment here from Shamanan. Amrita Prabhavabhasya, the, the name of the commentary of Bhakti you know, Amrita. Prabhava, Basya, and the Anubhashya is going to be a little addition to that, is how Bhakti Siddhanta describes his own um, commentary on the text. And I should also mention that, um, of course, prior to these uh, uh, contributions of our particular Paribar, uh, Vishwana Chokri Thakur wrote a commentary on Chaitanya Charitamrita. It's very, apparently, very very, very brief. I haven't seen it, and nobody's published it, so I don't think he, he really says too much there. I don't know. It would be interesting to read anything he said, but um, but there is, there is apparently a commentary of his. I should look that up. So, so are Bhakti Siddhanta's and Bhakti Vinod's commentaries quite brief as well? No. No. Because I remember in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, there's a little snippet before each chapter of Bhakti Vinod's, but that's not what you're talking about. No. Yeah, he had a full commentary. And Prabhupada, as I said, much of Prabhupada's commentary is reiterating what, 
what he, what is in the commentary of those two commentaries, <laughs> restating it in his own words, um, adding a little something. A lot of it could be verbatim, which is fairly um, uh, traditional. Like if you read the Jiva Goswami's commentary in Bhavatam, it's just, it's, it's like ninety percent repeating what Sanatana Goswami said. I don't know why they did it like that, but they have a different sense of that than modern um, writing and publishing. So, so no, their their commentaries were uh, were um, extensive. Does that help? Yeah, that does help a lot. And they haven't been translated into English, their commentaries? Um, no, I haven't seen um, you know, a full translation of them. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Does anyone else have a question that you would like to ask? Unmute yourself. Just your eyes back. Oh, <laughs> anybody? Anyone else? No, I, I, okay. go ahead. Krishna Chaitanya. Krishna Chaitanya had a question, or kind of around. Krishna Chaitanya. Krishna Chaitanya said, go ahead, Connie Ram. Oh, okay. All right. My, my question is a, is a practical one. I, I was asked to give class for Advaita Acharya's uh, appearance day. And um, I listened to a lot of material. Um, I listened to, to many classes about, I listened to your classes from previous years on Advaita Acharya's appearance. And, you know, when you listen to all like these classes, you have like a thousand ideas and then like, I wanted to speak for about 30 minutes. So like, do you have some practical advice on like organizing your thoughts uh, for giving class? Not really. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose you could write them down. You know, if you wanted to, you could make an outline. I was going to say, just make an outline, like if you're going to give a speech. Points that you want to recover, that would, you know, probably a lot of people would would, uh, would do something like that. Um, list the, you know, if, if you if you list the points, write down the points that stick out to you, and then, then look at them, see if you can put an order to them, or maybe a chronological order or something, if you're going to go through the Leela, for example, or the Vedicharya, or something like that. Um, but that might be, uh, you know, practical way to organize your thoughts. And there's a balance, it seems like, between like speaking spontaneously, uh, just about bhakti in general, and then like going back and forth between the, the pastimes and the leela, and then some points about devotional service in general. Yeah, well, you know, uh, I don't know how um, experienced you are in speaking, but it's an art, and, you know, it, it takes some time to learn, so it's probably, uh, if you don't do it regularly, it's it's more of a, more of a challenge, um, but, um, 
but oftentimes it works both ways. If you can speak, you can write. If you can write, you can speak. So it may be easier to write, you know, write it out a bit, you know, write an essay on it. Then, you know, if you, if you know in advance you're going to give a lecture, listen to some talks and write write it out, you know, and then, then you're practicing with yourself, so to speak. And then you've got, you know, an article and you don't have to make it all tight and everything in terms of your grammar or whatnot. So it's not going to be presented as an article, but then you can, you can use that. And then that's probably uh, a good way to, to, to organize your, 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 your thoughts. And if you, you know, if you lecture more, if you have the opportunity, then, then it starts to come a little bit more, more naturally how to uh, navigate the course between points you'd like to make and, and points that come up in your mind that you didn't think of when you're in the context of making those points and and uh, as you say um, moving between philosophical points and practical application and devotion <coughs> and so forth so keep at it okay so anything else Krishna Chaitanya, did you want to ask something? You're on mute. Yeah. Hi, Krishna. Am I coming through? You are. Okay. I, th I think this is a simple question, maybe. I was just wondering, or what, what would your explanation be of in relation to sadhakas, the terms sva nishta pare nishta and nirapeksha. I think those are the right ones. These are two. That's a big topic, actually. Oh, sorry. <laughs> These are terms that uh, that Valdi um, Bidibushan came up with to describe uh, different types of devotees. Um, and um, that with regard to a uh, Varnashram society, so living in a Varnashram society, um, then someone may come, become a Vaishnava on some level or do Krishna Bhakti on some level. And, um, and so, um, His, uh, in, in, in a sense, um, what he's trying to do with those terms is, is, to, is to kind of fill in gaps, so to speak, given the practical reality. Like someone may talk about bhakti at a certain time in a certain way and so forth, and, and, uh, and over time, culture changes and other factors are there, and... Uh, you need to come up with more divisions to describe everybody. You know, uh, you know, you have your madhyam, kanishta madhyam, rutan. You know, you, 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 you have you know, someone like Vishnu Chakravita coming along with the gunabuti, gunabuta, gunibuta, bhakti, uh, pradhan, buta bhakti. Yana Bhuti Bhakti and uh, uh, so on and so forth and, and uh, uh, different terms to kind of like um, 
further kind of subdivide and define and so forth. So anyway, uh, these are terms that, that Bhakti Bhavadhi Vidyabhushan came up with. And uh, the Sanista is a devotee who has a desire to visit the different worlds, like go to heaven and other places um, in the context of serving Krishna. He has those desires. He wants to go there, Baladeva says, he gives these terms in his Guruna Bhasha commentary in Vedanta Sutra. That devotee wants Sanishta, he wants to go there. Um, well, first of all, he he performs his his actions, his functions within the Varnashram system. He's a member of the Varnashram community, the world. He's a householder. She's a householder. And um, um, pretty much you're the householder or you're, you're, you're enunciate, right? So they're households. And they're, so they're following the, 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 the karmic uh, prescriptions for um, their particular caste and so forth. And they're doing it with with detachment, so it's a kind of a nishkam karma um, approach. And they're doing bhakti, and um, so they're dutifully doing their karmic, attending to their karmic responsibilities and duties without doing those for the for the desired result hmm? um, of of material acquisition. Um, but they're doing it dutifully. But they have a desire to go to the heaven and other places, and and, and uh, but they they, they want to go there. They want to see how Krishna or God, um, Vishnu, conducts himself there. They're curious about that. Um, so you know, if he gives an example, if you want to go to the kingdom, and along the way you also see the grass that's there. So they're not really interested in the celestial realms and, and whatnot, but here's what God's doing there. So they're curious about that. So they're called Sanista. And then more elevated sector within Bhakti Marg is the Parinishta. And the Parinishta, they only want to go back, go to go go to go to wherever it may be, if it's Vaikuntha or to Goloka, you know. Bhadi Marg or Rathmark. That's what they want to do. That's their aim, exclusive in that regard. And um, they are um, <coughs> they're more elevated, more uh, and they and they perform the Varnashram duties with a view to keep the world together. Lokasangraha, you know, to, 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 because they they if they don't they don't have to follow them or anything like that. Um, but if they don't, they'll set a bad example, and so they they follow the example. They follow with it with that without any attachment, without any thinking that they have to do it. Otherwise, their bhakti won't be sufficient, or if they they do do it, it will be enhanced. They don't, they don't think like that. But to set an example for the world, they do it. They go through the rituals and so forth of the Varnashram system and whatnot, which is the society that they live in. They're basically good citizens. They're the householders, so they're in the world, and um, that's their position. 
So when you look at it like that, then the sannyasa seems to have more of a necessity to um, less less has less standing in bhakti. Mm-hmm. Having less standing in bhakti is uh, more dependent on the on the social religious system that, that he or she's coming out of, so to speak. That's the way he talks about it. And then the nirapeksha is there is there is a is a, is a renunciate who's not in the world mm-hmm. and um, doing bhakti. So he's doing Guttam um, Bhakti um, and um, you know, he doesn't follow any of the Arnashram rules or anything. He's just, he's contemplative or you could say a preacher and that's all he or she does. Mm-hmm. Um, not having a family to maintain, not living in the world, so to speak. Um, so those are the three uh, divisions. You need more divisions today. I have to come up with some names to describe some of the conditions that we find devotees in. <laughs> and what will be the result? And why they're not getting the desired results that they, that they, that they, that they, that they think they should. Because, I mean, really, you know, there are strong statements about bhakti <laughs> and efficacy and its generosity, its, its ease of practice. But all this is in relation to other paths of, uh, in pursuit of transcendence that are difficult in their application by comparison. But, 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 but each of them is nonetheless a path of renunciation. Or it's an iberty mark. You know, it's a giving up of the, of the world and so forth. So it's, you know, many devotees live in the world, really, for all intents and purposes, and are very involved in it and so forth, and um, and pursuing even their material desires rather than trying to give them up consciously, concertedly, trying to give up their material desires and replace them by by change of lifestyle, whether that be living more simply or whatever it may be, or in community with others, um, um, and pulling up their roots because, I mean, I think every devotee, or many devotees would agree that, that to live in a devotional community hmm, would be very conducive to their bhakti. It might, might, might not be conducive to other things. Hmm. You might have to live more simply. You might not have as much, make, make as much money. Um, but this is what Prophet wanted his disciples to do. He, he wanted two things. He wanted to publish books so that they have the philosophy. And then he wanted the practical application of that, which he, which in his own estimation, meant living in communities, rural communities, safe, self-sustainable communities as far as possible that were their own, own world, so to speak. So that there would be um, opportunity for livelihood. Someone could teach, someone could administrate, someone could be a uh, a gardener or a cow herder or you know, essential kind of occupations that were required for an agrarian community and um, and Krishna in the center and, and so forth. So, I mean, that's a lot different than, um, you know, living in New York City and, uh, you know, going to the temple every now and then. Um, even if you can't get around, sit home or whatnot, it's, uh, you can see that, what that contrast is in terms of environment support system and so forth i mean 
as disciples of Prabhupada when we were young, even householders, they, 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 they worked for the Spiritual Sky Incense Company, which was a devotee business, and that's how they got their earnings, and, uh, and then, the, then the profits went for the, for the mission and so forth. And so it was very, uh, um, people were, all the devotees were pulling up the roots <laughs> and uh, not consciously, you know, doing so. Shaving their head, you know, changing their attire. I mean, these are all these were all symbolic of, or um, you know, they were even helpful for saying, "Here, you know, yeah, I've done it. I've shaved my head. I'm dressed like this now. I can act like this now, and so forth." So it's, it was a very um, uh, uh, strong uh, commitment to applying myself in bhakti. There's two things. You want practice and you want, um, what is it? Internunciation. Um, when Arjun says, I think it's difficult, Chris says, yeah, it's difficult, but it's possible by practice and detachment. So practice means a full, you know, engagement in bhakti, hmm? really. And you have the angas of bhakti, they're, 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 they're ones that are for the mind, one for the speech, one for the body. And so forth. There's a whole, you know, system there. It'd be fully engaged, and uh, and then that's on the one side. Abhyasa, that's the practice, and then renunciation, letting go, you know, and um, making making, uh, making changes that may be uncomfortable materially, but but are wisely considered to be something that ones that will be conducive. To spiritual practice, mm-hmm. and so you know, that's how the Krishna consciousness in the Western world began, and it's, it's really drifted away from that considerably. That that phase, if you will, of what Prabhupada wanted, it's it's it's, uh, it's limited in terms of its um, manifesting. I mean, there are, ISKCON has some communities like the Mayapur. That's a community. I've not been there in a long, long time, but you know, you always can go and live in Michael, I guess, and have that kind of lifestyle. But you can see what just just you know, talk to everybody on the on the on the on the conference here today and say, well, would you like to go live in Michael? You know, you can have ten thousand reasons why not. You know, um, will it be more conducive to my spiritual life living in Michael than where I am now? You know, most probably, yeah, quite a bit more. Uh, helpful. Hmm? So, and, so what's going on here? You know, then you see, then you wonder why it's not working as well as it sounds like it does for other people or, or the scriptures talk about it and so forth. Hmm? When, when someone like Vishnu Chakravitaka talks about how karma um, is eradicated by bhakti, well, yeah, if you're doing bhakti full time, you're not going to have any karma. Hmm? You do it part time, and then you go do other things. Well, then you need to, you know, you're you're, you're pouring water on the fire that you're starting. So it's it's not gonna it's not gonna <coughs> turn into a blaze, you know, too 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 quick too quickly. And this is the largely the state of affairs. I mean, uh, um, and you know, more too the devotees who move the Mayapur or some go to Vrindavan. I think they try to accomplish the same thing to one extent or another. I, you know, I. I mean, they may go there and not be fully engaged either, but at, at least 
you know, they're they're making an, 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 a real concerted effort to be really focused on um, on their, their their spiritual practice. It's like I say, it's different than living in you know in uh, Brooklyn or something like that. Um, and uh, and uh, you know, it's 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 unfortunate in the Americas. It just hasn't, you know, I mean. For different reasons, that hasn't come about, and some of them are good reasons, like maybe like Newman Dobbin did a bunch of things. I mean, they, they deviated from the plan. What can I say? You know, they got it was fine, but then they wanted money. They got a taste for money from collecting, and then that that ruined the whole thing. Really, money ruined Newman Dobbin. Um, didn't, you don't need all that money to practice Krishna consciousness. Hmm. Um, anyway, it's a huge subject, unfortunately, that you've you know kind of uncovered the, from underneath a rock here. <laughs> and um, I don't want to disappoint everybody, but you know, but I'm not saying anything that's not, not, not true. And, um, and so, you know, you, you kind of like need more categories. I mean, the Swanista was on the lower end of, uh, uh, Swanista of the lower end of Vishwana Chaparita or Pavadibhidibhushan's perspective. Where do you fit on that? You need a new category. There are a couple of them, unfortunately. But, um, you know, it's good sometimes to, to accurately assess the, the field and, uh, and uh, see what's uh, required. Um, I, sometimes I say, you know, there's the spiritual or experiential orientation and the religious orientation. So largely you have a religious orientation that has has developed and unfortunately often in religious orientation that's that's not that well uh, informed about the about the theology which is typical of religious orientation at least i try to fill in in that regard and give a good theological perspective and so forth um, so that's my answer what's the time now Quarter one. Okay, so we ended up going over. All right, well, thank you for um, your time. See you in my or or <laughs> <laughs> Next week, we'll be yeah, next week I'll be in. Uh, I'll be available. I expect. Yeah. Okay. Very nice. Very well. Thank you so much. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.